let's pray together. God, we, we thank you uh, for being our anchor. Uh, God, as, as we look uh, to the Psalms this morning, uh, God, we're reminded of, of this tree uh, planted in the streams of life. God, what an anchor that is, you. God, where, where our substance comes from, where our meaning comes from. God, that no matter what is thrown our way, no matter what storms we face in life, you are the anchor. We praise you and we thank you for that. God, we pray and ask that you would speak to us this morning, God, that you would challenge our hearts and our minds. God, as we, we look at your word and we hear your word spoken, God, that, that we'd, we'd aim to leave changed and we'd aim to leave different. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and uh, have a seat, and if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm chapter 1. We're starting a new series today, uh, going through the Psalms, and I get to kick it off for us, so we will obviously start right at the beginning, Psalm chapter 1, uh, and then we'll read all the verses when we get there. But what we're going to talk about this morning, and we know if you've, you've done any kind of study on the book of Psalms, you, you know that it, it's really a book of prayers, and one of the things I, I love about it is just the authenticity as you read through it and you look at guys like David and other authors in the book of Psalms who, who really are, are just being authentic and real before God. And maybe it's the fact their enemies are surrounding them and they're asking God where he is. All, all of this takes place in the Psalms. So I love it. I think there is a, a ton to learn as we go through this series. My encouragement and challenge for you like we go through any series is to read through it, read along. Uh, there is so much to be seen and to be learned as we go through this. So I would encourage you and challenge you, read through it, meditate on it, uh, and may we learn together as we do this. So we're going to be in, in Psalm 1 today, specifically what we're going to be talking about, although I just told you that the Psalms is a book of prayer, what we're going to talk about today is, is not that. We are going to talk about uh, meditation this morning. And really, which I think, as you look through Psalm 1, I think this is what Psalm 1 is dealing with, and there's a reason that Psalm 1 is Psalm 1. It's a deep thought right there, but Psalm 1 is at the beginning. Okay, so we'll look at that, we'll see it, but one of the things when we talk about meditation we want to realize is that meditation is a spiritual discipline. Okay, and for all of us in this room, we have some sort of belief system. And our hope and our prayer is that you would believe upon Jesus, you'd believe upon His finished work on the cross. But we have a belief system, and we are called to, to take this belief and then begin to live our lives in such a way that kind of reflects that belief system. Paul says it a couple times. He says, live your lives worthy of the gospel you have received. In other words, okay, yeah, we believe, but that doesn't automatically mean that we're going to live a certain way, right? So that's why Paul challenged us, live a life worthy of the gospel you've received. That's why he tells us, train yourself to be godly. Discipline yourself for godly living. Yes, there's a belief system, but now the question is, how do we take that belief system and begin to, to our whole will, our hearts, our minds, our soul, begin to live that belief system out? And that's where spiritual disciplines come into play. Uh, so there, there's all kinds of spiritual disciplines. You're probably familiar with some, but obviously studying the Word of God is a very important spiritual discipline. Prayer is a, a spiritual discipline. Giving, fasting, 
meditating all spiritual disciplines. That if I want to grow and I want to come from this belief system that I have to, as Paul says, begin to live a life worthy of the calling I've received, I must start training myself, disciplining myself for godly living. Uh, I, I use this illustration. I was talking to new real estate agents this week, and I was talking about some of the things you need to be successful. And I use the, uh, the illustration of, of Michael Phelps. And, you know, a lot of ways he reminds, you know, really of myself. Um, not, not so much the drugs and partying, but more just the, the natural physical physique. You know, it's, I got a picture of him, I think, up here. Yeah, the really, you know, uh, you know, he's 6'7", he's broad, tall, dark, you know, that handsome. Really a lot like me. But one of the things that, that I really admire about him is, does he have some natural physical ability? Yeah, absolutely he does. But he is one of the greatest, probably the greatest Olympian ever, not because he's got natural ability, that's part of it, but look at his daily routine. His daily routine when he wakes up for a week, he will swim over 50 miles in a given week. He trains twice during the day. He pours 12,000 calories into his body. I wrote some of these down. Listen to, listen to what he eats. Phelps eats 12,000 calories a day, around 4,000 calories per meal. For breakfast, Three fried egg sandwiches with cheese, lettuce, tomatoes, fried onions, and mayonnaise. Then he drinks two cups of coffee, then consumes five egg omelet, a bowl of grits, three slices of French toast, powdered sugar with three chocolate chip pancakes. For lunch, Phelps eats a pound of pasta, two large ham and cheese sandwiches on white bread with mayo. Then he drinks a thousand calories worth of energy drinks. For dinner, he eats another pound of pasta and a full pizza, followed by another thousand calories of energy drinks. Now, some of you can do that. You just don't follow it up with the exercise, right? Not all that impressive. But, right, he, I mean, this is a guy, this takes discipline. To get where he was, it, it takes discipline, right? He's got his daily routine that he does. It includes his diet. It includes his workout routine. And guess what? Did he see results? Yeah, he saw results in what he was doing. Now, we look at it a little differently, we know that, as Paul says, live a life worthy of the gospel you receive because we've received this gospel, because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, now we want to live different. We want to live lives that reflect that he gave up his for us. And so when we talk about daily, uh, daily discipline, godly living, it's really training ourselves. So we take this belief and this belief system that we have, and now our lives begin to look and reflect that yeah, Jesus gave his life up for me so I could have new life. It's, a, it's an incredible thing. So, so meditation is a spiritual discipline. In other words, as I look at my own life, I need to ask myself, if, I, if I'm, you know, take Michael Phelps' example, but if I'm one who has this belief system and I want to begin to grow and, and live for the kingdom and the things of his kingdom, then there's a way in which I should live my life. There are things I should be doing. Studying the Word of God, spending time in meditation, spending time in prayer. And I think there's an order to it. And as we go along, we're going to see this order kind of come out. So let me, let me go ahead and read in Psalm chapter 1 here. Here's what it says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but those who delight is in but the, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. I want to read that verse 2 again because that's where we're going to spend a lot of time. 
But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So there we see verse 2, those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. You can read throughout Scripture, you can read throughout the Psalms, and you're going to see a lot about meditation. You can look to, to Joshua and his final words. He tells the nation of Israel, meditate, meditate on the law day and night. The same words we see right here in the Psalms, meditate on his word day and night. I think according to the psalmist here, the key and the mark of a godly man or woman is not someone who prays day and night. The mark of a godly man or woman is not someone who hits the street and preaches the word of God day and night. The mark of a godly man or woman is someone who meditates on his word day and night. Because you know what happens when you begin to meditate on his word day and night? It will impact your prayer life. It will impact your speech. It will impact every aspect of your life. It's going to begin to dwell in your heart, your mind, and your soul. Your very will is going to change when we meditate on his word, on his law, day and night. And so the psalmist lays it out there. You, you want to be a godly man? You want to be a godly woman? You need to meditate on his law day and night. So what we're going to talk about today is kind of three ways are uh, three, three avenues of this meditation. The first one is going to be the word of meditation. The second one, the way of meditation. And the last one, the works of meditation. So going back to the first one here, the word of meditation. What I mean by this is really the word as in God's promises about meditation. So looking at Psalm 1, here, here's the comparison. The, first of all, what the comparison is not. When he's making this comparison of someone who meditates on the law and delights in it day and night versus the person who doesn't, he doesn't use the illustration of this gigantic tree, this huge tree versus this little small tree, right? You look at Michael Phelps. This isn't what he's trying to get at, this huge tree where you got this six, seven broad man, and then you got somebody like Tim, you know, the smaller version. You know, he made fun of my size once a couple months ago. I had to get even. Okay, so, um, but that's not what the psalmist is trying to get at here. It's not that I, I do this, I meditate, and now, hey, it's this some level of degree that I've, I've reached and I've made. That, that's not his point. Look, look at the contrast he makes. The contrast he makes is not a gigantic tree versus a small tree, and this person has arrived and they've done more, but rather a tree versus chaff. And if you know what chaff is, basically it's like the husk around kind of a seed uh, even around corn, it'd be like the husk, right? So this, this is what, it's, what, what chaff is. Now, they are both plant, right? But chaff, it can't reproduce. Chaff, if wind and storm comes, what's going to happen? It's lightweight, it's gone, it's done for. 
And so the contrast that he makes here in Psalm 1 is really the nature of the person, okay? It's really about their being. And so what he says is, one who meditates on the law of the Lord, one who spends time in his word meditating on that, is like one whose tree is planted near the streams of water. Not, not a normal tree, because what happens with a normal tree? If, if we're in a drought, what's going to happen to that tree? A tree gets its substance from, from what's going on around it, right? If it rains, it gets its moisture uh, and it, it feeds off the soil. But a tree planted near streams of water, it always has life. It's always flowing to it. And so what he's saying here, he says that the one who meditates and delights day and night on his law is like that person all the time. It doesn't matter the storms of life when things come up or we go through a drought or, or, or just this, these, these storms hit or any kind of circumstances around us. It's unshaken because where does it draw its substance from? Where does it draw its life from? And this is the example he used. Someone who meditates on the law day and night and delights in it is like that tree, that the storms of life, when they come, unshaken, because it draws its source, not from circumstances around it, but from a different source, right? From God himself. The other side of that is the chaff. And the chaff and the comparison made there is, is called one who stands in the way of sinners, one who sits in the seat of mockers. So the choice that the psalmist leaves us here in Psalm chapter 1 is either we are someone who delights in the Word and we meditate it on it day and night, or we're like chaff. Which circumstances come, the wind comes, the waves come, and what happens? There's no root at all. See, the comparison he makes is not a large tree with deep roots and a small tree with small roots. He's saying chaff, the other way, they have no roots at all. And so many people in the world in which we live today say, oh, God, I want, I, you know, or, or, God, I want to make a difference in the world, right? And they're, they're talking about making a difference and doing all these things to make a difference. Well, here's, here's the deal. We live in a world that is decaying. It's dying. Someday that sun's going to die. Someday this earth is going to die, and all of us are going to die. I hope I'm, you know, not, not a newsflash there for you. But someday that's going to happen. And so what we're talking about here is what the psalmist is telling us is if you are not rooted like that tree near the streams of life, you're like dust in the wind. You're, you're like that chaff, blown away, no substance. Storm comes along and you're gone. And so the com comparison and contrast he makes is to be like this tree that's rooted near the streams of water. So this is what we talk about, the Word, kind of those promises uh, that God has in meditation. The second thing we want to talk about is the way of meditation. I think there's a couple things uh, that the text tells us as far about the ways, and when I talk about ways, really kind of the practice of meditation. And as we talk about spiritual disciplines, one of the things we want to realize uh, is we want to begin to one, as we talk about the spiritual disciplines I mentioned, I want to begin to get into the Word, study the Word. I want to begin to meditate on the things of the Word, and I want to begin to pray and communicate with God. I want to do things like give, serve, fast. All these things should become a part of my life, my daily routine of what I'm doing. Okay, that's what spiritual disciplines are. If I want to begin to live a life worthy of the calling I've received, if I want to train myself for godliness, 
I need to begin to put these things in practice. So I want to be very practical uh, as we talk about this. So looking at Psalm 1, I talked about Psalm 1, you know, obviously is the introduction to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is really a book of prayers. It's an incredible book. Uh, I'm sure many of you have spent time in there, and it's an incredible book uh, that we're going to have an opportunity to study here over the next several weeks. But what we want to realize uh, from this chapter 1 is it's, it's like any book. If you open a book and you begin to read that book, and if I'm going to read a book on prayer, well, what do you expect the introductory chapter to be about? No, I mean, you, uh, audience participation. Yeah, you would expect it to be about prayer, right? Any book you're reading, if it's about a subject, you would expect that opening chapter to really be a lead-in to the rest of the book. And so you read through Psalm 1, and guess what? It's not a prayer. You read through Psalm 1, and guess what? It doesn't talk about prayer. Yet, knowing what the psalmist is trying to convey here, and knowing the rest of the psalms, it is an incredible introductory to the entire book. Because here's what's happening, is that the book of, or the chapter Psalm of Psalm 1 is a lead-in, it's a doorway, it's a gateway to the rest of these prayers and these psalms. Uh, Eugene Peterson is considered really by many to be an expert on the book of Psalms. Here's what he says about chapter 1. He says, Psalm 1, the introduction to the whole book on prayer, is on meditation. Meditation must be the key to prayer. So the opening book is on meditation to a book on prayer Meditation must be the key to prayer. Well, what's he saying? He's saying if, you know, when we study the, the Word of God, that's about the Bible. When we pray, who's the focus? God is the focus, right, in our prayer life. Well, with meditation, what's the focus? The focus is taking, like I said at the beginning, taking this belief that we have and beginning to work it into our will, work it into our minds, work it into our hearts, work it into every aspect of our life. And so what happens here, and how I, I believe that Psalm 1 is laying it out for the rest of the book of Psalms, is that first, one, we want to begin to study the Word, to delight in the Word, and then begin to meditate on the Word, and then as a result of that, prayer. It's... it's almost like, okay, study, meditate, pray. That it's a design, it's an order that God has set up. Your, your prayer life, you know, if you've got a strong prayer life, that, that's awesome. But your prayer life is going to be that much more deep if I spend time studying the Word, meditating on the Word, and then spending time communicating with God. Because this, this here, knowledge is great. We want knowledge. But what do we want more than knowledge? We want our lives to begin to change. We want to grow. We want to do what the Bible actually says. And as a result of that, then there's that communication with God. And I can guarantee that if we are studying and meditating, your communication with God is going to be at so much a deeper level than, you know, I get up, I don't have this con- I mean, it's just be like con- communicating with my wife. I can have deep conversations with my wife, or I can have like 99% of my conversations are, and you know, I'm, how you doing? Great. You know, and I try to avoid the deep stuff if we can. But that's how to deepen my relationship, to deepen my communication with God, 
there is an order, and I think it's laid out, and I think that is very uh, the, the reason the psalmist here in Psalm chapter 1 lays out that meditation is the lead-in for prayer. So as I think about spiritual disciplines in my life, I want to begin to ask myself the question, is, is this what it looks like for me? Studying, me? studying the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God, and then communicating with God about that. Uh, you can look at some of the greatest psalms, uh, well, greatest, whatever, some of my favorite psalms out there are actually not prayers, they're meditation. Take uh, Psalm 103 as a great example of this. This is David talking. Here's what he says at the beginning of Psalm 103. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who is David talking to? He's talking to himself. All right? Now, it seems a, a little odd that the guy's carrying on a conversation with himself, but he, this isn't a prayer. It's not communication with God. David is meditating, right? This is what he's doing. Praise the Lord, all my soul, all that is within me. Praise his holy name. David himself is addressing really himself. In Bible study, the object is the truth of the Word of God. In prayer, the object is God. In mediation, you are taking what we've learned, what we've studied, and we're beginning to work it in and connect it with our mind and our will and our heart, that it impacts and affects every aspect of our life. Mediation is the bridge between studying the Word of God and communicating with God. Uh, as we talk about this, understand this isn't, you know, these aren't obviously my ideas. These are ideas that, that we draw from the Word of God. They're ideas that great men of the faith have lived out in the past for us. I, I look at a guy like Martin Luther, and I kind of looking at his life. Martin Luther was a guy who meditation was a huge part of what he did on a daily basis. Here's what he would do, and if you're taking any notes, here's three questions. Now, as we talk about meditation, I would uh, ask some questions, whether these are the questions you ask or you have your own questions, that's fine. But something that is getting your mind going here. Here's what, what, what Martin Luther would do. He would read a section of Scripture, and he would write it out. So he'd write out the, 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 the section of Scripture that he wanted. Then he'd ask these, the, three, these three questions of himself. He would ask, number one, how does this truth lead me to praise God? How does this truth lead me to praise God? And what he would do is he would write down 20 ways in which that section of Scripture led him to praise God. He would ask himself the second question then. What sins do I need to confess in light of this truth? So again, writing down that section of Scripture, what sins do I need to confess? I think one of the, the things that, that Scripture brings light of, remember, belief is one thing, but then beginning to live it out is another thing. And one of, this, one of the things Scripture does is it really brings to light the sins in our life, the ways in which we are living that oppose God. And so Martin Luther would ask himself the questions, what do I need to confess in light of this truth? And the third thing he would ask, what do I need to ask God in light of this truth? Okay, now he's entering his prayer time, right? So he's studied the Word of God, he's meditated, and now he is going, and he is going to go before God and have this conversation with God, and he would ask the question, 
What do I need to ask God in light of this truth that I've just been reading about, learning about, and meditating on? And now, it may not be the same three questions for you. You may need to come up with your own questions, but one of the things I would encourage you to do is in your life, begin to ask the question, how can mediation, mediation, I'm in real estate now, meditation, meditation become a part of my everyday life? How can I make meditation a part of my life? And maybe it's asking the questions like, oh, this section of Scripture, how does that impact how I interact with my family? How does this impact the way in which I love my spouse? How does it impact the way in which I carry out my life at my job, at work? We want to begin to ask ourselves questions. If I study this, this portion of Scripture, how is this going to now resonate with every aspect of my life, my heart, my mind, my soul, my will, become a part of me? So important that we do this. Uh, I, I told you one of the, the, the last times I spoke uh, that I have a real estate coach. And one of the things that we've set up that we want to do on a daily basis is that you spend 20 minutes exercise, the physical aspect, 20 minutes studying, and then 20 minutes meditating. Okay, now his, his version of meditating is probably a little different than my version of meditating, but this is the aspect that, okay, if you're, if you're going to grow and you're going, and this is, he's talking real estate specific, but same would be true if I want to begin to live a life worthy of the calling I've received, that I begin to train myself, discipline myself for godliness. And so for him, he says, all right, 20 minutes of exercise, 20 minutes of studying, 20 minutes on meditating. And for us as believers of Jesus, I think it's probably no different that I want to spend that time studying the Word of God, then coming back, meditating on the Word of God, and then begin to pray to God about what I've learned and I've meditated on. And I don't know what that time frame looks like. You read here uh, in Psalm 1, what's he say? Day and night. So I don't know if it's literally day and night. I'm not sure if that's really what he's looking for. But man, if I've got time in the morning, time in the evening, whatever I have to study the Word of God, to meditate on the Word of God, and then to pray uh, to God about what I have just learned and meditated on. And so as we talk about spiritual disciplines encourage and challenge, how do I make this part of my life? Not just something we're going to talk about here on a Sunday, but very practically, what do I need to do this week to begin to study the Word of God? Meditate on the Word of God and pray through that with God. So that's kind of the, the way of meditation. The, the last thing uh, I want to talk about is the works of meditation. What I mean by that basically is, is how, how does this work and, and why does it work? Uh, I, I find it puzzling if I read through this and it says, but, though, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord? That's tough, isn't it? My, my delight is is in the law of the Lord. Have you ever read the law? My delight is in the law of the Lord. How about this? How about the, the, take the uh, Sermon on the Mount? Okay, if I take the Sermon on the Mount, this is Jesus, and what's he talking about? He's talking about the Ten Commandments, right? So what, what, this basically, what the Sermon on the Mount basically is, is basically it's Jesus' meditation on the Ten Commandments. But what does he tell us? You've heard it said, don't commit adultery, I tell you, don't even look at a woman lustfully. You've heard it said, don't murder. I tell you, don't hate. You know, try meditating on that. And as you meditate on, on that, I mean, that, that makes me, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's tough to delight in it for me because I see my sin there, right? I read through it, and there's not a lot of delight. So how? How does this work? If I'm reading through and I'm, I'm trying to meditate on the Ten Commandments or I'm trying to meditate on, on the Sermon on the Mount or something like that, 
where do I find my delight in the law? And I think the answer, the answer is pretty simple. Is the only way I can find my delight in the law is if I find it in a person. Because if I look at the law and I look at the Sermon on the Mount and I look at my life, it's, it's tough to find delight in that because I realize how ugly I am. I realize that I fall short. I realize that I don't measure up when I look at the law, when I look at the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. And so the answer, I think, is simple. In Hebrews chapter 10, this person, Jesus, says this. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Let me read it again. I, and this is str- actually, it's a quote straight out of the Psalms. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Jesus Christ is the one person who meditated day and night on the law and delighted in it. And so when I think in, in this Psalm chapter 1, which tells me to, 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 to meditate day and night and delight on the law, the only way I can do that is because of Jesus. Only way I can do it is because Jesus himself, day and night, meditated on the law and delighted in it. Jesus' words, uh, it's, I think, uh, through, throughout the, the, the New Testament, we see about 1,800 times Jesus makes a statement. 180 of them, he is a direct quote from the Old Testament. 10% of what Jesus said was a, him quoting the Bible. Is that someone who is saturated with the law? Is that someone who is saturated with the Word of God? Someone who, when he speaks, it, it's the Word of God that he's talking about. I mean, how, how incredible is that? And you think about even at the end of his life, Jesus on the cross, what's he doing? He is quoting from the Psalms, Psalm 22. Psalm 22, a direct quote from Jesus as he's on the cross. Jesus was a man, and the way in which I can delight in the law of the Lord is because because of Jesus. Because my own life, man, look at the Sermon on the Mount, I look at the law, and I realize I don't measure up. I fall flat. But I can delight in it when I look at the person of Jesus, the only one who meditated day and night on the law and delighted in it. Psalm 22, that Jesus was quoting uh, on the cross, it says this in there. It says, My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Let me read that first portion again. It says, My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Go back to what I was talking about earlier, that chaff, dust. It's here and it's gone. And what is Jesus saying in Psalm 22? And why can I find my delight? Not, not in looking at the law and, and looking at the Sermon on the Mount, which I fall short of, but rather looking in the one who fulfilled the law, looking in the one who, who took my sin, and who took how I've fallen short. He took it upon himself, and you know what? He became that dust. 
He became that chaff for me. Jesus on the cross. The reality is, as I look at this tree planted next to the streams of water, and I look at the chaff, you know what? I deserve to be the chaff, don't I? Because if I look at my life, I don't measure up. I I do not add up. I deserve to be that chaff. But Jesus, what he did on the cross for me as he became that chaff, he took it upon himself. And we look, and we're going to we're going to come up and we are going to remember Jesus in the bread and the juice and remember his body that was broken and his blood that was shed and that we can do that because he became the chaff. And now when I look at the law, I can delight not because I measure up to the law, but because Jesus measures up. Because when God looks at me, what does he see? He doesn't see how I fall short of the law. He doesn't look at how, man, Kyle, he doesn't measure up to that Sermon on the Mount. No, he looks at me, and he sees Jesus. And that's an incredible thing. Jesus became that chaff for me. So I could be that tree with streams of water. Guys, I want to leave you with one quote. This is something Alan sent me uh, yesterday morning. It's from Tim Keller. I thought I better share it because then my wife showed it to me in the afternoon. So I figure if two people are showing it to me in the same day, probably important. Speaking about Psalm chapter 1, here's what it says. Psalm 1 is the gateway to the rest of the Psalms. The law is all Scripture. To meditate is to think out its implications for all life. And to delight in it means not merely to comply, but to love what God commands. Christians have their attitude toward God changed from one of duty to free, loving, self-giving because of what Jesus for us did for us on the cross. So to know how to meditate on and delight in the Bible is the secret to a relationship with God and to life itself. Views contrary to God's word are no anchor in the time of need. God's word gives us the resilience of a tree with a source of living water that will never dry up. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this anchor. God, we thank you for this tree God, uh, by, by streams of living water that will never dry up. God, we thank you that when you look at me, God, I, I'm not chaff. God, I, God I, I, I no longer don't measure up. And not by my own doing, but because of Jesus. Because I have put my hope and my trust and my faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, who became that chaff for me. God, thank you for that. God, as we seek to worship you this morning and as we take the bread and the juice, we want to be reminded, God, it's not something in my life that I've done, but because of Jesus, God, now I find favor in your eyes. God, now you, you look and you call me a son. God, now I have eternal life with you, new life, abundant life, full life, not because of me, but because of Jesus. God, we want to worship him this morning. We thank you for this anchor that we have. We thank you, uh, God, for these streams of water, living water we find in Jesus that will never dry up. What a truth uh, that is for us. God, as we look to leave here uh, shortly, God, challenge our hearts to begin to live disciplined lives, God, that we would begin to train ourselves for godly living, 
as we think about studying the Word and we think about prayer, help us not to forget to meditate. God, that this is a bridge between us studying the Word and communicating with you. That if we want to deepen our relationship with you, God, this, this needs to be something that is part of our life. God, again, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the living water that he is, the anchor that he is. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Let me uh, read one more time in Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Let me pray, and then we will sing one more song together. God, we, we thank you for your law. God, help us to delight in it day and night. Help us to meditate it on it day and night and to delight in it. Not, not because we can measure up and achieve it, but because Jesus has done that for us. God, that, that Jesus fulfilled the law, that Jesus measured up, that Jesus became that chaff for us, that we can have new life. God, may we walk away and may we begin to ask ourselves, how can we live a life worthy of what Jesus has done for us? Help us to train, help us to discipline ourselves for that godly living. God, we ask it and we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.